you're holding the microphone about six inches from my face. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice with headphones on, the physical space between my mouth and your ear is six inches. And I think that's, I think that's very powerful, you know. This conversation contains some spoilers for a couple of the episodes of the excellent podcast series, Love and Radio. It, it really was the sandbox. It was this place where I could go and I could pursue stories in exactly the way that I wanted to, that I could take a more experimental approach to, you know, cutting the stories together. If you're watching a film, you know, the director doesn't come out at the end and say, so this is, this is the interpretation of the film that you should be taking away. I want a sense of it like immediate intimacy with, with, with the subject. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna filter their experience. I don't wanna interpret their experience for other people. If, if you feel the same way about someone throughout the, the entirety of a piece, then it, it tends to be pretty boring, you know? I mean, sometimes I feel like the only reason I made Love and Radio was, was just because like no one else made, made it. And I wanted, to, I wanted to listen to a show like it so that I made it. So it's recorded now. I'm not normally recording somebody who is also somebody who records people. So right. your your standards. We'll see if I pass your standards <laughs> or not. This would this would this would not this would not fly in my world. I'm afraid it would not. What would no. you do if you were setting? So if you were setting I would, up, I would probably. Uh, well, let's see if uh, I can check the levels here. I would probably just hold it like this. So if you're listening to this after the fact, that's a little over. Uh, yeah, so I overdone. So turn it down. down. I can turn it down. Yeah. But then you see, I guess we're going to get a clear. If we do that, we're going to get a clear, clear you. But maybe not as much of a clear me. But we'll see. Right, but then you can just pass it back and forth. So. Well, we can, but then, but then, I guess it's like a conch shell. Then I guess it works like a conch shell. All right, let's 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 try it. Listen, give it let this be an experiment for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I love the also the idea that I'm like usually how you do this is the reporter is holding it but now the interview subject is holding it yeah well that kind of fits with uh my 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 kind of attitude towards how conversations can go that i don't like i don't like to be the one in in control Uh, but i guess it's that's false because i actually do control them quite a lot Uh, but yeah it does feel like you're interviewing me now But yeah, people can people can get an idea of what this what this alternative reality where uh, I had more microphone skills might be like from this interview. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. So today we're getting better acquainted with Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Well, we met at the uh, the, the Radiotopia meetup. I don't know how much context you want me to give. but well, As much as you want to give. <laughs> well, I mean, Radiotopia is a, is a podcast network um, based in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I am currently based in Dublin for the next four months. Radiotopia people wanted to do some kind of like meetup in London, yeah. so we had like a little a little party. So that's that's why I ended up in London in the first place. I mean, Helen Zoltzman organised that party, and she's also on Radiotopia, her new show. Uh, and you've come over to Radiotopia, right? You didn't start out on Radiotopia because it didn't exist when when Love and Radio that you that you do started. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, uh, I've been doing so. I do a podcast called Love and Radio, which I've been doing 
off and on for the last 10 years. And then when Radiotopia started uh, a little over a year ago, they asked me to be one of the, one of the, uh, the founding programs. What I'm going to do is swap over so that I've got the conch and move it around. Okay. Now I've got an idea of how it's working. You won't have to predict when I'm going to speak, right. <laughs> right. which I'm sensing is happening. The second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? Uh, and it's that awkward conversa- conversation you always have, I guess, of like when people say, what do you do now? What, what do you say when someone asks you that? Well, I used to say that I'm a radio producer, but now I tend to, tend to say I make a podcast because it seems to have developed a little bit more. You can come a little closer than that, yeah. Uh, saying you're a podcaster seems to have a little bit more street cred than uh, than it used to when I was first starting out. Yeah, I'm finding that a little bit too, although in the UK it's still, uh, I think, it's less of a kind of thought of as a profession or, a, or, as, or even an, an idea, less people know about podcast still in the UK but Serial's made a bit of a change to that to a certain extent even here uh, and I think it's made a massive change to that in America right oh yeah 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 I mean it's it's great I mean I was in I, I was in this totally random pub in uh, Donegal in Ireland and it was just having the, the chats with this guy and he uh, found out that I did podcasts and he wanted to tell me his whole theory about Adnan and it's just incredible to me I mean that's probably not that remarkable in in hindsight but the idea of someone like really wanting to sit down and talk to right. me about a podcast uh, that never happened, you know, even a year ago. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's been similar for me that suddenly people want to talk about a podcast and because they know I make a podcast, they're like, he's the one to go to. <laughs> right. He'll be listening to it. And, you know, I was. So they were right. Yeah. So Love and Radio. I mean, I, I really enjoy that show. I haven't listened to every single episode. It's one of the kind of shows that I like to dip in and out of because, you know, every every episode it, there's no like linear through line to it so you don't have to listen to everyone mm-hmm. what is love and radio and, and and why did you start it i guess well i'll answer the second question first i think i basically started it because i wanted i wanted to make stuff i i think i'm i'm really bad at pitching stories i'm probably a little bit better at it now but yeah, I'm 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 terrible at sort of getting across why I find certain stories interesting. So Love and Radio was it it really was the sandbox. It was this place where I could go and I could pursue stories in exactly the way that I wanted to. That I could take a more experimental approach to cutting the you know cutting the stories together. Like what I usually do is uh you can yeah. That, I, that, this is the thing with it. with uh, with radio interviews is you always have to like get a little bit too much in people's personal space, right. you know. Which and it's is like, interesting. Like right now, you're, you're like if we were having a normal conversation, you would be, yeah. like you would be too close, and right. I would totally. But you sort of have to do that, you know. Yeah, I, I guess find. the interest. I mean, I guess what 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 I spend most of my time in recordings doing is trying to make people not aware that it's kind of right that they're being recorded an artifice you know yeah yeah, i just want them to be able to relax right right so you you know but then you but then you get you break through that wall and then it's like then you then we're like we're having this intimate moment oh yeah 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 you're you're standing uh you're sitting like what a a foot away from me so yeah yeah so like this is not normally for someone i just met this is not normally where i would no i would be sitting unless we were like you know, in a crowded pub and we had to lean in to talk or something like that. What the hell was it talking about? You were talking about Love and Radio being like a sandbox for yes, your ideas. Yeah. That's probably pretty reflective of the, the early stories, I think, were really... I mean, it was a lot of just me just interviewing my friends. Probably yeah, like, like, like this. Like, like this has been for you. I always kind of 
would hope to grow an audience or to have people listen, but that was never really kind of the primary motivation. I was really just to have a fun time with it and just not bore myself, you know, right. try new things. And so I think the show has evolved quite a lot. It, it began more as sort of a direct rip off of This American Life, you know, very narrative focused. Each episode would be thematic and would be scored to music. Certainly one thing that I think was in the in the DNA of the show, which has still continued to exist despite all the changes, there's this pretty prevalent idea in American radio anyway that um, that it's a didactic medium. It's not enough to sort of show people something you need to explain to them how they're supposed to feel about it right or what they're supposed to take away right from it. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh and i always and there's a i mean there's a lot of shows that i like that that fall into that category but i have no idea why i don't know what what the hell is so special about radio that that makes that the case in some people's mind you know if you're watching a film you don't the director doesn't come out at the end and say so this is this is the interpretation of the film that you should be taking away from right. it. so that was always the case i think we really we really tried to avoid you know just spoon feeding people basically right and uh, and that's still the case now i mean i really i try to get out of the way as much as possible i think my fingerprints are over a lot of the editing process and you're you're sort of made aware that there's this this behind the scenes orchestrations that are happening but i want a sense of like immediate intimacy with 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 the subject right i don't want to i don't want to filter their experience i don't want to interpret their experience for other people that's an interesting thing to say and i and i think that what you're saying is very true about love and radio but yeah. it also has a sense where everything's filtered because of the the way that it's sound designed right. and the way you edit right. it's kind of like there's a sort of when i listen to it, it feels like it's kind of a trippy experience right. you know it sends you all, your mind all over the place right. and and you deliberately are trying to do that right. i guess and it's also got a kind of music quality to it so you're listening to a piece of sound design right. um, more than my show or lots of other shows sure. that are just about the, the the voices yeah yeah well I think I think that's something that I really I really like about film you know in in radio it's both blessed and cursed with with the ability to hide the seams right that you can really you can edit together an interview you can you can rearrange sentences and and it's fairly easy to do that without anyone noticing right. that those edits are happening. You can edit without anyone noticing right. that those edits are happening. Blessed and cursed with, with the ability to hide, you can rearrange sentences. Sure, and this show... I mean that that's the sort of thing that I often do on right. this show. Right. Um, in that, you know, if somebody says something and it doesn't quite make sense, I'll just swap around the right. the way that sentence works, right. and it was say it's what very, they and meant. And it's very freeing. Right. Right. But at the same time, I think it can be a, it can be a, a constraint in a creative way. And I and I always really love that that quality in watching a movie that I always deeply feel this this real sense of of a director behind the camera right. and an editor who's like who's showing you things and they're just saying look at this look at this look at this that's an aesthetic that I'm I think we're trying to copy with the show right so so yes the editing is really is much more of a in the forefront the editor sort of takes the place of the the host or the right 
or the uh, reporter or whatever. And definitely the listener decides what they think of the subject or the, or the, or the whether that be right. is the theme or the person right. uh, involved in it. We decide what we think. Yeah. And you do some interesting things quite often to sort of encourage us to think more about it. You know, like a, a particular episode that I really did enjoy and I, I've listened to it in audio form, but also uh, saw you doing it within the dark a couple of years ago. I can't remember what the name of the episode is, though, so that's how bad I am at, at, rep- at, at doing my research. But, <laughs> I mean, in that, you disguise a voice, and then right. there's a reveal later on, and that completely blows like the, your mind as a listener of, of, of everything you thought up to that point. Right. You reassess, but you still don't say what side of that, you, you know, what you don't tell us what you think of us having to reassess ourselves. Right. <laughs> you know, you just say, well, you know, you're just demonstrating to us that that's how we are thinking right. and where our biases are, but we have to decide what we think about that. Right. And I liked that. Yeah. You know. Well, and hopefully that's what makes it interesting. I mean, I want I want people's perceptions to shift over the course of a whole piece, you know? Yeah. Um, if, if you feel the same way about someone throughout the, the entirety of a piece, then it... it tends to be pretty boring, you know. Right. In that particular case, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was a bit worried about. It's, uh, I mean, you can edit this out if you want, but no, um, that was an interview that was done with a, a woman who puts up these fake profiles on various uh, dating websites and Facebook and things like that and blackmails. Uh, she puts up these fake profiles of underage people right. and lures in these these pedophiles and then blackmails them. And she doesn't do it for any kind of righteous... There's no righteousness to what she's doing. I mean, she's just making money off of these right. guys. She's not reporting them anything. So the way we started the piece is we, we masked her voice describing what she was putting in the profile but not explaining that it was not a real profile that because the voice was masked you couldn't tell if it was male or female right or, or whatever and then gradually that that mask is lifted and you realize that the profile that she's been constructing was actually fictional but again like that's yeah that's that's the style of the show i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pop in as the host and go actually you know <laughs> Uh, well, and it's a very ambiguous, complicated t- topic anyway, because, sure. I mean, it's even once it's revealed that it's an adult woman who is posing as, as young boys, right. the action of the people that she's blackmailing is also a very questionable one. So it becomes right. a very, very kind of co- complicated, murky area. Is it justifiable to make money out of people who you find morally abhorrent? Right. Uh, you know, all sorts of things like that, which I, th- I think is interesting and important. And look looking at what's what makes people human like obviously one of the things i that this show is about is as a show t- about talking to humans is 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 to explore what that means what 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 that is right and you know my my own view about people who are morally reprehensible or whatever is not to completely write them out of humanity not to like right. put them in you know i'm not you know i'm not a fan of prisons i'm not a fan of the death penalty i'm not a fan of any of these right. absolute attitudes towards people who I don't support either. I don't support right. paedophiles in any way. Right. Um, although that's not <laughs> so exactly So you're going to go fair. on record. Right, yeah, but although okay, that's not that's exactly good. fair to say because I do support uh, people who have that predilection who uh, resist or, it, yeah, right? Who seeking help, are seeking yeah. help and having very hard lives because of the way that they're, they're, they're wired, whether it's hardwired or yeah. softwired. We, that's a, a debate, but, yeah. but people are resisting Dan, it. Dan Savage calls them uh, gold star pedophiles. Right. right, he does indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, but so I, I like the, 
the fact that you in Love and Radio, and it's not just in that particular episode, you're seeking out subjects to show that are in this kind of complicated moral ambiguity stuff, but right. at the same time are humans, and you're sort of showing that as well. So it's yeah. I mean, what is is that a kind of intention? Is that something you're you're trying to do, or is that just something that I'm seeing in in what you do? Or? No, and that's a, that's also a big part of the show. There's a Russian documentary filmmaker by the name of Viktor Kosakovsky who has ten rules for documentary filmmakers. One of them is, I'm paraphrasing, but one of them is is essentially don't film things you love and don't film things that you hate. Like film things that you're not sure how you feel about them. And the, through the act of filming them, or through the act of recording them in this case, you, you seek to understand actually um, what it is that you're, that you're looking at. Right. I get pitches, and you know, because a lot of the subject matter is very dark, I do get a bunch of pitches from people who, who are, are pitching stories of people doing truly reprehensible stuff. I'm not really interested in that because I don't see any, I don't see any way into it or just sort of, it, just, it doesn't seem that complicated to me. It's just like, oh, okay, that person fucks dolphins. I mean, that was literally pitching on. So, uh, I'm pretty sure I know how I feel about that. I don't think I need to like explore that. Right. Um, <laughs> The, the pedo-baiting one is probably the closest I've come to, because I think there's really just no, this is my own personal view, but yeah. I, I don't think there's any sort of moral justification for what she does. But it is interesting to sort of see her talk herself into it. Right, um, but, but, but the, the act of watching her talk herself into it is kind of what makes her really human to me. Like, yeah. that we all t- 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 talk ourselves into things right. in whatever mild way in our lives, you know, and, and it's interesting to see someone talking themselves into something so kind of really complex. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't morally support what she does at all, really, either. Right, right. But I, <laughs> but I can relate, I can, yeah. I can definitely identify <clears throat> with her experience of, flipping that switch you know where she's making good money off of it mm. you know it's not like she had you know before before she started doing that she was working making sandwiches uh at a subway you know do they have subway here yeah okay so and then it's just like it's super easy money you know and then it's like once you've gone through that door you know now all of a sudden you're you're giving up like a really good source of income like how do you walk away from yeah that, you know? no, sure and and that's I, even though I I certainly don't support what she's doing, like I can still empathize with that yeah. experience. Yeah, know? yeah, definitely. And that feeling of being trapped, you know. Yeah. And and hopefully that comes across in the piece too. And I think like there are in subtle ways we draw parallels between her and the and the and the guys that she's blackmailing, who are, I think right are, are they're both kind of trapped in this way, you know. Right. I mean, and it's a, a powerful piece for that reason. But I mean, m- moving away from that specific example what are the episodes that you've made that have meant the most to you as a as a as a radio maker or as a podcaster i don't know um I mean, that's an interesting way of phrasing the question i mean certainly that i mean the two the two that we're best known for are are that one and then um the wisdom of jay thunderbolt where my friend and i went to this strip club uh, like at home strip club manager in Detroit, and just like hung out with him for a couple of hours. And there's no there's no story to it. I mean, it's just like you just are with this guy, and he's but he's had a very interesting life. What I found really interesting about Jay was that because he's a sort of the, this DIY strip club manager, 
other than the dancing, he basically fills every role that you would expect in a strip club. So he, you know, he's the business manager and he's the party host, he's the DJ, but he's also the bouncer at the same time. Right. So he has to come in and so he, ha- he has to sort of vacillate between this sense of, hey, you hang out with me and you're going to have a good time. <laughs> but if you step out of line, I'm going to step on your throat, you know. Um, and he really vacillates between that in the in the interview where he's just like kind of constantly sort of keeping us in check and making sure that we're not going to pull any shit, you know. Um, so that's one that comes. I have, I have like, I have favorites for sure. Yeah. I have like one that means the most to me, but that one probably means the most to me because I think it, it is what it is. What kind of like, I think that was sort of the first sea change. Right. Like we won the third coast international audio festival. Right. We won the, the, top prize for for that piece and i'm pretty sure that that was the first time a podcast had ever won gold this is this audio festival that's sort of yeah no like sub- public radio. i've submitted to it occasionally right right <laughs> i'm just explaining if anyone oh yeah for listeners you know. yeah you're right that's normally what i should, that's what i should be doing is doing i know that. that's my job is, is but to, it's I, to, to you know that. that's the great thing about <laughs> interviewing i'm, I'm working that i'm working on a piece right now where i'm interviewing another radio producer it's really nice actually because it's like she knows exactly what I want, you know? Right. And so it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I anyway. don't know what I want, though. That's the thing. Like, the the, the episodes that interest me, the conversations that it, that mean the most to me that I have are ones that go in a completely different direction than I intend when right. I go. Right. But then, conversely, the ones I'm the most disappointed with are the ones that have gone exactly as I expected. Right. Um, but when I listen back to them, they're often some of the greatest episodes. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, like, I'll often come away going, oh, oh everything I you know nothing surprised me about that and then sit right. down and go wow to an audience this is going to be brilliant and surprising so right. yeah <laughs> well I, Ira Glass has this uh, this quote that I'm going to paraphrase but he says you know he, he preps a lot for, for the stories that he's doing and he goes in with a with a pretty clear idea of, kind yeah. of what the, the arc is going to be and um, when he goes and the story ends up being about something else than what he thought it was he says, like, that's when I know that it's a story that's going to work. Like, right. the moment it, it, it turns, it, you know, that, that that coin flips. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, how, yeah, that's definitely how it goes for me. How did you end up in radio? It sounds to me like you had interest in film, or you've still got an interest in film maybe as well. Oh, so. well, everyone does. Yeah, know? right. It's, it's our I don't, medium I, that we all see, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't especially consider myself like mega student of film but I like I like it but every, everyone watches film you know right almost everyone does so stage. when so when did radio like did, did is radio been something that's oh yeah and I was but I was also listening to the radio you know since I was little like my parents had NPR on and right and then I you know I started listening to this American Life you know and probably around 1996 when it was only a couple of years old so and then just when podcasts came around, I, I really took to it. Yeah, um, even it though there were a lot of really shitty podcasts for a right. long time, you know. I mean, the thing that appealed to me about podcasts when I finally kind of got into them and understood them, which is quite a while after I started making them, weirdly, but the thing that's always interested me is the kind of independent sort of to me it's like it, it crosses over with like punk and DIY and stuff like that that right. I was already interested in and right. reclaiming the media from the media yeah. uh, and th- that's those are the sorts of things that slotted in with why I like the medium I think right. was that sort of the sort of thing that you were sort of drawn towards or was it just 
an opportunity to play in the sandbox? Well, it's it's funny because I think like right now we're kind of in the second great hype of podcasting, <laughs> um, and I hold out right, a little bit more right. hope for this time because people are actually listening. But that that for, when podcasters first came on the scene and iTunes, you know, first started the podcast directory and things like that, there was this real sense of like, oh, this is going to democratize media and everyone has it. And the thing is, is that like the bar, if you wanted to do something that was super out there, the bar was was already pretty low even before podcasts came around. I mean, there there have been like some really fantastic community radio stations, you know, all across the states. I don't, I don't know what it's like here. If you could spend like a little bit of effort to sort of volunteer for a station, then you could, you know, you could get a show and you could do some some really out there stuff. And yeah, anyone who was willing to put in a little bit of effort to make a podcast like they they were able to do that already you know so i think there was a real there was a real promise that you know in democratizing the media and letting everyone this having this big free-for-all that there was going to be all of this really great creative stuff that was going to come about and it and it really didn't pan out you know because mm. i think that was that that's that's what existed before i mean i guess you could get a little bit more of a broader worldwide audience than you could previously but but honestly like in those early days like i don't think love and radio had more listeners than your average you know college radio station yeah so i appreciate that that kind of diy nature of it and i it's made it really easy for me you know to To make it yourself to make it myself and i appreciate that i I definitely feel like i it, it it's funny because in those early days i really I really avoided using the word podcast, you know, because right. it really it really had the stink of amateurism and and just like low quality, you know, and and I so I was just like I do an online radio show, right? I it's don't even do, in I the do... title, right? That's... Right, right, exactly. And I and I always kind of held this party line of, look, if if something's a good podcast, it's going to be good on the radio, and I I, I really came to believe otherwise. I, I came to identify things that were very particular to podcasting right. and radio that doesn't have, that I think are really, that are in the DNA of love and radio, um, you know, and I think primarily, I mean, A, it's, you know, it's better here, but certainly like the FCC restrictions on language and content is much more strict in the States. That certainly was freed up. Not having to format was was pretty great, you know, to be able to, do a 15-minute story or an hour-long story. Right, because people and, and don't was, realize that about having no foot. Everyone thinks, oh, it allows people to make longer shows if they want, but it also allows people to make shorter shows if they want. Right, exactly. And so that the... And it, it it does make a lot of podcasters lazy, I think. Uh, sometimes it, sure. people need to edit a little bit more than, than they often do. But it also is... It's just it's very freeing to let the story or the person dictate the length of the of the show you know i really appreciate that and then the other thing too is that in some ways podcasts are so much more you 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 miss the serendipity aspect of radio you know you never have the experience of just turning on this random thing right which i i think can be quite transcendent absolutely but with podcasts it's like people i i don't i don't know what the stats are but i i'm pretty sure that people are far more frequently listening on their headphones you know so you have this much closer experience with with whoever happens to be talking at that time you know absolutely like if someone's listening to my voice right now you're holding the microphone about six inches from my face and if you're listening to the sound of my voice 
with headphones on. I'm basically the physical space between my mouth and your ear is six inches. Right. You know. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think that's very powerful. You know. The intimacy thing is yeah, it's definitely something that I've noticed. Like, so I've always listened to radio, but the the level of intimacy that I have with podcasts I listen to is is much greater than the radio uh, yeah. intimacy that I had before. And I you know the, I loved the radio intimacy that I had. I didn't know at that right. time it could be better, right. um, but it it can improve. But the the intimacy thing is a I don't know it's it's a, it's a, it's definitely an interesting kind of area that's I, I think is is gradually being developed but I, I also think that it's also a thing that a lot of podcasters don't really think about enough like right. not just in terms of how they make their shows but also in terms of how they how they sound design their shows so right. One thing I've noticed about a lot of podcasts, and I'm, I guess I'm saying this to you in the hope that all of the podcasts that I like that do this will hear this and change without me ever having to have an awkward conversation with them. <laughs> but it, it is that people don't think because it's in people's headphones and they're going to be listening to it walking around the world, they don't think about that in terms of like making the volume consistent right. and, not, and making the volume loud enough. Right. Like There's a lot of pe- people get excited about, oh, I can split it between yeah, left yeah. and right, but they don't think, well, if they've only got one headphone in, are, right. are they going to hear the, are they going right. to bubble with your podcast right, right. or are they going to show you know move on to yeah. the next one or you know that's the sort of those are the the the, the basic errors that i hear which as, yeah, as yeah, someone yeah. who's not i'm not great at sound uh generally but i'll always make sure that it's a it's a good level all the way through and right. that's you know whether that's a good level with loads of background sound right you'll definitely hear the terrible sound oh, yeah, on yeah. my show yeah no i mean just on my on the the way over here uh yeah i was listening to if I can, if I can call out specific, <laughs> specific show, I was listening to Answer Me This, which I, which I really enjoy, uh, but uh, man, it was making my ears bleed at a certain point because it was also like I'm listening on the tube, so it's already like a lot of background noise. So if with it, during these quiet moments, I have to like jack up the volume, and then it's, and then all of a sudden someone will start talking way louder, and then. Well, that's interesting because Helen, uh, who makes who edits Answer Me This, is is definitely somebody that that talks about this. Oh, person. sorry, no, sorry, I'm. Uh, Are you thinking I'm about sorry. a different show? No, there's no such thing as a fish. Ah, there. We I go. am so sorry, that's Helen. Right. That's all right. I am so she's sorry. She's like one of the leading proponents of yeah, see, making yeah. your volume oh my the God. right level. That's, that's no, very that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no such thing as a fish. Which, for the record, is a show that I really enjoy. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. Um, no, not answer me this. No, answer me this is very well produced. <laughs> please, please forgive me, <laughs> Helen. I'll buy you a drink if you even listen to this. Those are the sorts of things that you've noticed about podcasters as a separate medium, and that that's something that that realization has been something that that I've had is that it's a separate medium from radio. And initially, right. I had exactly the same approach. Right. Um, in fact, that's why it took me so long to listen to podcasts because right. I was just like, well, it'll just be like radio. Right. I've got other things to do. Like, to, I don't need to think about downloading and all of the the, the right. barriers that initially were there. That at the same time, when my friend said, "Do you want to make a podcast for right. me?" I was like, "Yes, I want to make that." that drama I want to make some radio drama that people can access on the internet but I didn't think of it as a podcast and so I feel like that's a downside if you come into podcasts not realizing that they're different it does take a while to really appreciate the difference and develop that in your in the into the DNA of your show it sounds maybe like you accidentally had those qualities within what you were doing anyway though so that lent it to you know when you made that podcast people probably reacted to it like oh 
this is an intimate experience and, and all of the things that, you know. Yeah, I think that was, that was more intuitive. I mean, really, honestly, the only, like I said before, I think the only sort of explicit thing that I set out to do was to, to be non-didactic, you know. And then beyond that, I think it was really, it was a much more intuitive process of just sort of like, well, what can we do with this? And people listening on headphones also lends itself to much more sort of subtle sound design, I think. That's, that's the other thing that I appreciate. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing I'll add too, in terms of the, the, the benefits of podcasting is you, you are guaranteed, virtually guaranteed that, that someone is going to be listening from start to finish. Well, at least from the start anyway. And you don't get that with radio. Radio right. is just constantly resetting. And so, and that's, that's something that's, I think love and radio takes full advantage of because right. it, it is about the slow build. It is about carefully revealing things over a long stretch of time so right. hopefully by the end it, it becomes a uh, transcendent sounds too i've already used the word transcendent it's just a more enriching experience right. by the end. I mean, I but think... that requires a lot more of a listener because you have to you have to trust them to sort of hang in there well i think it's comparable to the change of that we've seen in the way that television works like television right. series is like series I think the plural of series is always a, a, a tricky one to work out. <laughs> but but what we've seen with that is that, you know, with, with HBO or whatever th- uh, networks like that, they right. make those shows without reminding us all the time what's happening. Right. But if you watch a, a police procedural on a, on a different channel, you get, you know, now, you know, because you're listening, well, watching via the internet or whatever, right. Right. where the adverts are and all that stuff, that's just anno- that just becomes really annoying because right. of the fact that you're, you now know what it's like. Right. to have uh, that not constant reminder of what the show is and where we're at. And right. I think it's the same with radio. Now when I listen to radio, I'm like, Ugh, I don't need that reminder that we're right. in this studio and this is who right. I'm with. I'm listening to it on demand on my own right. time. And so right. I'm, if I have a choice, I'll go for a podcast because that they know that. They know I'm listening on right. demand. They appreciate that already. They, right. They're not trying to sort of force me to listen on demand to a format that's designed for live. Right. Yeah. Right. You didn't intend to be in radio from a, a young age, did you? Or, or did, or um, I kind of caught the bug in college, um, pretty seriously involved in the college radio station. Right. Started there as a DJ, ended up you know, managing the station. And and I have no idea why like why I became so obsessed with it, because no one listened. I mean, it was a 5-watt AM transmitter. Right. You know, you could basically listen to the signal if you were across the street from the... Uh, from the antenna but that was kind of about it yeah i had I, we had exactly the same thing right. with my my university radio station yeah. like it was it was a, a weird uh, the, the fm signal was like an oval so that right. they, it meant that you could probably hear it in like a farm but you couldn't hear it on the actual campus right. like it kind of like it only uh, yeah so it was like i guess the people who could hear that radio station with students broadcasting all the time right. were mostly people who weren't students right and so i don't think i don't know if they'll have listened right. uh, after they right. fell onto it accidentally yeah yeah but it became this total like moby dick sort of experience for me because the the history of that that station it started quite early. I think it was one of the first student radio stations in the country, or among the first. Um, but I think it started in 1946, if I'm not mistaken. And you could see, you could go through these like reams of like old, you know, newspapers about the station, and and you would see, like in the archives, and you would see, basically every six years there would be an article about how the station was back, and this time it was like it was for real, you know. And uh, so it just, and this is, I'm sure, 
student-run st- stations around the world, but it just like people would graduate and then it just everything would kind of fall apart. I mean, I think in a way, when I think about what I did, I mean, cause I, I, I made sort of radio plays and I made a radio comedy show and I did right. like a, I, I, I DJ'd a bit and, right. and did a kind of real bad rip-off show of, of, of existing shows on the radio that right. play music. When I think about all of that stuff, though, I'm quite glad I didn't have any listeners because, you know, I, it was oh, great, totally. great for me to make all yeah. those mistakes with no, nobody absolutely. listening. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when, you know, when I was in college, I, I visited the student station at Emerson in Boston. And it is like a professional oper- operation, basically. Like, right. I, it's, it's nicer than a lot of professional public radio stations that I've been in. And it's kind of incredible. So that, you know... If you get involved in that, I'm sure you get far more in terms of technical skills, and I think it's a it's a real feeder system to a lot of media in, in the United States. But at the same time, like it's super, it's not free form in any way, shape, or form. If you go as a DJ, you're not even selecting the music; it's all been selected for you. Right. So all you're learning how to do is kind of to be a you know a media <laughs> robot, right? To some degree. I mean, that's kind of harsh. Uh, <laughs> I know people who, who came out of that program and they're they're very good at what they do, so I don't mean to be a jerk about it. But I don't think I don't think a show I don't think a show like Love and Radio would have come about if if I'd gone through a system like that. Right. Know? Because I need I like you, I needed that that sense of a, no one listening. So yeah. I could just sort of just like, you know, do whatever and just freak out and you know, I did a show on that station that was that was basically sort of the precursor to the to Love and Radio that we did ten episodes or something, and I haven't listened to that any of them in a long time. But but I sort of needed that, you know, I needed to just experiment. You need to have places right to experiment where you don't feel you don't feel exposed, you know. And I want, and I actually wonder if that's a problem. I wonder what that's like actually for people in college now, because so much stuff ends up online. You do have you do get sort of more exposed, not necessarily exposure, but you're more exposed. I think you do need to have this 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 period where you can just kind of go off and freak out and yeah do your thing. Well, it's an incredibly useful thing to have. I think yeah. it's not just. I mean, I, I agree with you. I I wonder about what it's like now being a digital native, as they say, right, where, you right. know, internet came in when I was in sec- secondary school, so high school. Right. Um, so, like, I'm not a digital native, but it came in quite early, for, so I'm very comfortable with it. Right. But I wonder what it's like if you've never had any anything else and all of that stuff. But it's also, a, it's not just even about the internet, is it? It's about, I guess it's about privilege, right? Having the opportunity to to, to make mistakes, which I think is really important in the yeah, arts. Absolutely. Only some of us have the opportunity to, to do that. And, yeah. you know, that's a frustration. And, you know, there's organisations that I support that are do, trying to do stuff about that and change how, how, how things go for people who don't have the luxury to have absolutely, boredom yeah. time, as my friend calls it, which I think right. is essential for making stuff. Like, you yeah. need to just sit there for hours doing nothing and then suddenly the idea comes up. But if you, you know, if you... That's a luxury. That's a, a privilege. But yeah, no, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I don't, it's one that I had too. I mean, so yeah, I'm, and so I mean, I'm not sort of like calling you out without uh, being aware of my own situation. No, no, totally. And I mean, I think I worked on essentially no monetary support. You know, I I worked on on radio for about close to eight years. You know? Wow. And uh, 
And that's not something, I mean, most of the time I had it, I was keeping a job at the same time, but right. to, to be able to have the luxury to spend time doing that, you know, yeah, that's a huge, a huge privilege. And it's a funny thing though, isn't it? Because it's, as, as much as it is a luxury and it is a privilege, and I've, I've also had day jobs for most of the time I've been doing stuff, not currently, which makes it a bit scary. Right. But I mean, it, even as you're saying how wonderful it is, and it is such an amazing opportunity to, to do it at the same time when you're in the middle of like 10 hours of editing and things aren't going well, it doesn't feel like a, a privilege in that moment, you know, and you, you, you want to moan about how frustrating the, the editing process is. I or are you I not like know. me? Yeah, maybe you just I love think it. I'm, yeah, I mean, like, I get, I get stressed out for sure, but I never feel like, no, I feel like an extraordinary privilege to wow. be able to do this, this stuff. And it may, you know, I mean, it may all go up in flames. I mean, I'm not really making a great, great living at this right now. So, I I can get by on it. Um, but if you're enjoying, well. if you're enjoying it, right? I mean, that's a great. It's like if you want to raise a family. Like I couldn't raise right. a family in my salary. Right. right. Now, okay. So, but you know, we'll see where it goes. I mean, maybe the. I mean, who knows? Maybe the audience will disappear. Who knows? I mean, I don't know where it's all gonna go. But I'm I'm definitely enjoying it right now. Like I do find editing is like a mixed like I love it and I hate it I mean do you have that love hate thing going on? yeah definitely I mean I <laughs> I yeah it's 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 a chore there really is no single part of the process that I find really speaks to me like I'm a decent interviewer and I'm a decent editor but I you know I don't think there's uh like, I, I'm not like, I don't feel like I have to do every interview. And I don't. I mean, I probably right. only do a third of the interviews on the show. A lot of it is, um, you know, working with freelancers. But I love collaborating. I love, that's the, that's the thing that I love is, is trying to work out ideas with, with collaborators. Right. You know? and, um, and figuring out what, what makes sense. But as long as those are the final product is, is good. Right, you know that's that's what I get off. So on. you're a product person rather than a process person. If you yeah, have to choose, more, yeah, yeah, I think, I, so. think I am a product person over over the process too. I mean, yeah. not that I don't think it's important to think about the process or right. develop your craft or whatever, but yeah. for me, it's about getting to that final thing yeah. where I've made something, I've put it out into the world, and let's see how right. people react to it. Right, you know, and often I look back at that product a few years later and I hate it, but right. uh, but I'm glad that I put it out and and took that chance. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, I mean, I'm, I'm involved in all the stories that we do, but I have greater involvement in some than others. And maybe this is because I, I don't know if this is like arrogance or sociopathy or what, but, but I like, I think back to episodes that I was less involved in putting together and, um, I like feel just as proud of those ones, you know. Right. Um, just to know that it's like it's out there and there's this beautiful thing that's out there. And I mean, sometimes I feel like the only reason I made Love and Radio was it was just because like no one else made made it, and I wanted to I wanted to listen to a show like it, so then I made it. Right. But if someone else did, I would just be like, great, right, this exists. Fair, like yeah. now I can sit back and listen. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's a lot of life to, to give over to something that, that you just that you just wanted to be made. But I mean, I, I totally understand that that process. Like that's, I guess, how a lot of the, sh the live nights that I run have been like that. It's like, right. I, ju I just want to see that show. Oh, right. I'm going to have to make that show in order to see it. Yeah. So I can I can really identify with that. Yeah. And that's and that's usually a good sign that you're onto something. 
Because I mean, a lot of people, I think, um, you know, their their motivation is like they wanna they wanna be the host. It's a it's a more selfish experience, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 definitely a. From my point of view, I find that one of the things I like about collaboration when when I do it is that I can then feel proud, like in a in a way that I can't really feel if it's just right. me. Right. That I can because because it's somebody else's input, I can go, "This is really great," right. and I don't feel like I'm saying I am really great. Right. Um, right. You know. That, so I think that that's yeah, that's definitely something I've always enjoyed. Like I much prefer being in a band than I've. Than, than being a solo singer just sure. because then I can be proud and engaged and promote and all of those things that sure. I find weird to do about myself yeah yeah although you know that's what I prefer it's most I promote myself these days and that's, right. that's 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 just the way it is I guess when you were studying in uni you weren't studying radio so what was your course before you discovered radio uh, my major was psychology with uh I I, I had a I had a big interest in in kind of brain anatomy and neuroscience at the time but i don't think it was a, a particularly deep interest I, I i sometimes wonder if part of the reason that i chose that is because both my th- parents are therapists and uh everyone that i know didn't go into a career that has anything to do with their their major so i sort of picked that to sort of i picked that that major to make sure that I wouldn't follow in the footsteps of my parents. Right. <laughs> but who the hell knows? I mean, I think I, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I use my, my university degree to its, uh, it, it's, it's utmost. If I were to do it over again, I would probably like study film or something like that. Right. But it worked out okay. So. And do you have, um, so do you have an interest in film? Have you made film then? Or are you, or is, mm-hmm. no? So yeah. it's just, but it's just a reference point that, that informs yeah. the way you see things, and I think, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm very informed by film, but I've never made right. film, so I get I get that. Well, I, part of the reason is like because film's really good, you know. I mean, <laughs> and I love radio too, but it's like, you know, it was like what I was saying before. Like, I wanted to make love and radio because there, a show like that didn't exist, you know. And I'd be hard pressed to sort of imagine a movie or a television show that I'm you know, that I'm like, oh, I wish this thing existed. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure if I gave it some thought, I could, I could come up with something, but it's just, it's a, it's a much more crowded marketplace of ideas. Yeah. You know? And it's um, a much more complicated thing to, to make the final product as well. Like the, the, too, one of the great of things about making radio is the, you know, it, it ultimately it's just one person at the end of it, editing it together. Right. You know, there's no, there's no, it, and with podcasts, that's even more liberating because there's nobody to then get that edit passed right. to get it out right. into the world. Right. Whereas it's really hard to get a film made and you can't do it alone in right. the, at the end, really. I mean, you can a bit with the final rushes, but... Yeah. Well, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to just get like a, real, a lot of really positive feedback from people, you know, who, who are really, really effusive about, about the show. And I always wonder if, if Love and Radio was a film project or a TV show or something like that. I'm sure people would still enjoy it. But I, I wonder if I wonder if it would have been quite as effusively positive. Because right. it's just sort of like I think it's a little less special, you know, in that in that kind of right. Because maybe we've seen things yeah. on film quite right. like. In fact, I, I think there are quite a few. Fil- now I'm saying that there's quite a few films I can think of that you know I think occupy a similar space to what yeah. Love and Radio do. Sure. Certainly documentary films. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So, I mean, and what what have your day jobs been during the time when you've been making radio? Has it been uh, has it been other radio? <laughs> has it? Yeah, no. I was I was lucky enough to get a job in public radio right out out of the gate, and uh, I mean, I started out doing like admin work for for a company called PRX, which runs Radiotopia. Actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny to things to have come full circle. These people I've known for you know about ten years now. Yeah. Yeah, so I I worked there. You know, I worked at Chicago Public Media, um, and then uh, I worked for the NPR show Snap Judgment. Oh right, uh, okay. For a little while. Um, so you've basically you, that's 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 the kind of the, the ideal, I guess, is that the day job basically gives you skills that you can then use in the hobby or pastime or whatever we're going to call it. Hobby is a complicated word. I don't know how much it gave me skills. I mean, certain certainly with Snap did, but there, you know. It sucks, but it's really true. Like that, if you can make connections with people, it really, it really helps. It helps the process, you know, guide the process along. You know, the the work you make still really matters for a lot. But, um, but yeah, being being able to work in, you know, in that industry and make contacts with people, and I think it's just hugely beneficial. Right, I bet, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I've I found that the, what I ended up doing was kind of just waiting for all my friends to make those contacts, and then like, <laughs> eventually, I'm, when I moved to London, then I right. could capitalize on the the contacts the contacts that friends had made. Right. Um. So yeah, but it definitely is who you, who you know as much as as what you make. I think right. that's definitely true, and that's one of the problems that we were kind of were alluding to earlier on with the barriers for entry for some people. You know, are, are greater yeah. because it's harder for them to make connections with the people who matter if you like in inverted sure. commas yeah and, and again it's like it's not to say that the people who you're making contact with aren't really nice people like that's right. one of the things I had to get over like my idea that, that networking would, was some kind of horrible false thing where you couldn't just right. be human with other humans and, right. and, and interact you can right. that's what it is people are you know the, the, the friendships people have you know a, a valid, valuable friendships it's right. just we've got them and yeah. some other people haven't, and 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 that's and that means that we get to have those those opportunities. Yeah, and that and that aspect of it always came pretty naturally to me because I just I love I love just sort of nerding out on this stuff. Yeah. And so to find these to find these groups of people where where people like we could have conversations like this for right you know, for hours on end. Well, like I, it was very genuine. There was no there was no sense of like oh I got to do this so that you know eventually they're going to be in a position where that's sort of gonna, you know right. there's no. There's no sort of long-term thinking about. No, it's just you know? nerding it's out just about. Like, it's just audio. like, yeah, you're into this thing. Yeah, I'm into this thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I found that when you meet up with other podcasters as well, it's like everybody's so used to being like alone in their room and having right. nobody else understand them that right. suddenly you're like, oh wow, we can right. talk about sound files. Right. You know, we can talk about right. all of these things that bore our friends whenever right. we talk about them. Yeah. And I guess that's something that that happens for anyone in a in a in a group, right? Doctors probably feel yeah, exactly. similarly or whatever. Yeah. 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 I don't know why I went automatically to do- doctors. I guess it's if you think about it, like it's it's less likely to be what people who like it's it's not what bin p- people who collect the refuge. Right. Uh, they probably don't sit around talking about different kinds of bin bags or whatever. Right. They, so it's again it's a privilege to work and be doing something that you enjoy and yeah. you can get passionate about. But yeah, so it's interesting to work out why you go to the examples that you go to. Do you know what I mean? Why do I go to doctors? <laughs> right. Why am I trying to make podcasters sound? 
so professional and impressive. Right. Right. But anyway, I digress, as I always do. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's been a real pleasure getting to know why you make what you make and how you, and, and some getting an idea of, of, of how some of your process today. The last question I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> um, uh, 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 I mean, just the show. Just yeah. listen to the show. So how can they find it, I guess? Loveandradio.org <laughs> yeah, is the name of the show, yeah. Uh, I'm also organizing, I don't know when this is going out, but uh, um, uh, my friends and I also organize an audio festival. Um, this year it's happening in California in, uh, uh, in June of 2015. Okay. Uh, called Megapolis. Megapolis. Uh, Megapolisfestival.org. But it's pronounced Megapolis. <laughs> cool. Does that makes sense. That was slightly confusing. I think it was. I think people can find that. That's the okay. thing I always worry about. Like, I'm always trying to like remember the exact URLs of whatever. But right. you know, re- in reality, everybody just goes straight to Google, right? Yeah, exactly. They just put in a, and if they misspell it, it corrects It'll, it yeah, for exactly. them. Well, yeah, search for Megapolis Festival. You get it. Well, th- and thanks very much for doing this. It's sh- sort of short notice as well, because you're only in town for like, we met at that party and then it was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel a bit discombobulated today because it's, you know, a Saturday morning. And so similar, similar with you, I think we're both, both sort of yeah. in a sort of slightly, we've just woken up state. I mean, <laughs> right. which is probably not, I mean, I've been awake for hours, but you, it just takes a while for that to get off. Sure, sure. Uh, um, and yeah, and thanks for doing it while you're in town. Yeah, the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Okay. Goodbye, audience. Bye, everyone. So, this episode didn't come out in time to promote the festival that Nick was talking about, but it has come out during Radiotopia's crowdfunding season. Basically, during the autumn slash fall of the year the radiotopia shows focus their efforts in raising funds to make the excellent audio that they do to find out more about radiotopia go over to radiotopia.fm you can follow radiotopia at radiotopia fm on twitter and if you do that you will get regular updates about how their radiotopia full campaign is going and if they get over 15k donors they get a load of extra money from a a corporate organization so you could really help them out by going over and giving them a little bit of your money speaking of giving people your money how about you give me some of your money if you can spare it if you'd like to if that would be the kind of thing that you'd like to do if you're someone who supports people making audio i've finally set up a direct donate button on the soundcloud page for getting better acquainted so if you go to www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk there's a link on there for you to donate some money to support what i do which i could really do with actually because i haven't got very much money at the moment so if you'd like to support the show if you enjoy the free content that i make please do so and if you want to support what i do then you could also come along to the live event that i'm putting on on the 19th of november it's a double bill with my solo show what about the men mansplaining masculinity and 
a show by the excellent AJ McKenna called Howl of the Banty. So that's happening on the 19th of November at the Dog Star in Brixton. The doors open at 7.30. My show starts at 8 o'clock. AJ's at 9.15. And it's free entry, but if you can afford to give us something back, please give us something when you leave. Find out more about the show at www.mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk Some news about the show, both Getting Better Acquainted and, in fact, Love and Radio were featured this week on the new BBC Radio 4 programme and podcast In Pod We Trust, which is presented by Miranda Sawyer. In Pod We Trust is going out as a podcast as well as on the radio, so you can find that on iTunes and subscribe to that. The responses I've had back about the episode have been very positive and uh, it certainly has increased my listenership so hello new listeners i hope you stick around you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can like it on facebook www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.